Welcome back to Conversations with Leela B. Season 2 is finally here. If you haven't caught up on previous episodes, you can do so after this one. Get ready to sit back and join the conversation. Meet Ngosa Chungu, the Njovugazi storyteller, the woman behind the critically acclaimed A-Team documentary. She's a filmmaker, content creator, and visual storyteller. Welcome to Conversations with Leela B. Ngosa. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good, good. Enjoying the warm weather. Yes, thank goodness. It has uh, gotten warm in the last couple of days. It's been rather cold, rather cold, a little too cold, a little too long. (laughs) So Ngosa, there are many reasons why I wanted to have you on my podcast. Aside from the fact that I think you are like you have a really very interesting brain you're very intelligent um you're very well Well, educated ed um i i enjoy some of your twitter commentary that you give on social issues um i feel like if, if anyone follows you on twitter they can sort of see the passion leaping out of the tweets (laughs) and (laughs) I also admire you, of course, as a filmmaker, because you know how much I love your documentary, 18. But before we get into all of those other things, what inspires you to tell stories? I love it. (laughs) That's the short answer. You love it. Why do you love it? How did how did this love become to be come to be? Well, I didn't actually really realize that I loved telling stories, and I wasn't able to really articulate that um, actually until well into my thirties. Um, so I just knew that I loved connecting with people, and the first way that I was able to do that was through theater. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought I was going to be an actress, um, but I happened to be smart and also born to African parents and also of privilege. <laughs> and so I was trying to figure out a way how to do that um, without wasting opportunity. Um, and the more I thought about it, I realized I don't think it really matters whether I'm in front or behind the camera. It's about whether I can be a part of making interesting content. And then when I returned to Zambia just a year before my 30th birthday, I was like, I I need to start a production company because what was happening was I kept leaving to go to school in the West um, from the time I was 11 boarding school then university and the 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 more I left the more I kept seeing stories negative stories about Africa and about Zambia and not really being able to fully defend my continent and my country because all the things that people were seeing were based in Afro-pessimism and they weren't seeing the Zambia the Africa that I was seeing Um, And then just before uh, graduating from my third degree, I saw this um, documentary made by the Red Foundation about Zambia and ARVs. And it just, the way that it was set up was in such a way I could tell exactly what they were trying to do 
And even though the visuals were real, the way that they were angled and uh, created were deceptive um, in order to give this view that Zambia was so destitute and so desolate that like if Americans didn't give us money for ARVs, it would be the end of the world. And I was just so upset. And I was like, you can keep getting upset or you can do something about this. And so I was like, right then. Uh, but I didn't quite do that. Um, I ended up in Switzerland and it took freezing to death for me to finally get the message that I really did need to return home and give it a go. And so I returned in 2011 and a year later, you know, AFCON 2012 happened and that I was like, that's my story. That's the story that um, will start me on this path on telling stories that are real, that tell the truth, but are ultimately positive and give hope um, about Zambia and the, and the continent. And then, you know, a couple of years later, I realized I just really love telling stories because by that point I'd done TV presenting and, um, you know, was really getting into social media and Twitter. Um, I, I just realized that, yeah, I'm the Jovu Kazi storyteller. That's who I am. <laughs> and what I'm passionate about is telling stories and it doesn't really matter the medium. Um, it's about creating content that is truthful, authentic, and gives a holistic view from different perspectives about um, Zambia and Africa. So does that answer your question? <laughs> of course that answers my question. It more than answers it. So we're not going to let you slip by with the whole, when I was done with my third degree. Ngosa, what have you studied and why do you have three degrees? What? I, I, I do. <laughs> I have a Bachelor of Arts in Communication from Stanford University um, with a focus in technology and society and an interest in journalism. And I have a double master's, uh, a master of science from the London School of Economics, uh, where I focused on othering practices in the media, colonization and its legacy and the business of media. And uh, the second of the, the masters is a master of arts uh, in global media and communications from the University of Southern California, where I focused on social media, branding, and communication consulting. Ta-da! Wow. Well, I mean, that definitely explains why when you have, well, number one, why you love using technology in the aspects of your storytelling, just also how you're able to leverage that in terms of creating like your own brand or your own identity so like everything makes perfect sense when we know those little tidbits about you because I think once someone knows that then they're like ah I understand go somewhere now <laughs> I, I, I guess I was actually telling somebody like this week I was like you know what I've been working for myself for free for the last 10 years like <laughs> yeah which uh, which is a good thing and a bad thing. I need to start paying myself somehow. I suppose I pay myself by creating opportunities. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so you briefly, you, you touched on um, AFCON and how that made you feel like more impassioned about telling stories, especially Zambian stories. So then you famously worked on A-Team, which seems to be a film that, resonates year after year and it finds audiences whether that's through celebrating Zambian history 
or whether that's at different film festivals around the world, because it has global themes and touches on the parallels between Zambia and Italy. And, and there's just, if people haven't seen it, they need to watch it. But also, especially in the pandemic, when people were searching for content, I, I think, you know, it's, it was one of the things, I know that it's there on Vimeo, but it was one of the things that people actually either discovered or rediscovered during the pandemic. Can you share maybe a little bit about a team and what that experience was like and what you think its legacy is? Um, should I start personally or like- or You can start with, um, personally. What it sort of means. Okay, so personally, it kind of got me into documentary filmmaking. It was not my intention to become a documentary filmmaker. I just knew that because, you know, there's that, um, you know, African proverb, I don't know where it's from, but we need to start saying exactly where these proverbs are from. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's that proverb where they say that, you know, when an old person dies, a library, it's like a library burning in Africa, right? Mm. And so I was like, so much has been lost already because we have an oral history um, and we know that from colonization that a lot of stuff that was encoded in various ways was either taken from us or destroyed. Um, and so I think it's really important for us to, um, you know, document as much as we can. And the beauty of digitization is it makes it so much easier and it lends itself to uh, the, the oral nature of our culture. Um, uh, and so I was like, the, you know, people died in 1993 which you know is part of the story and we can't hear from them but we can hear from the people who were around at the time who had uh, a bearing on rebuilding the Zambian national football team and we can also hear directly from from the AFCON 2012 team like how inspiring would it be to find out what their mindset was like how things shifted as things progressed and they came to realize that actually we could win this we're, we're the underdog but like we actually have the chops to do this and so that was why I, you know, I insisted that um, it be a documentary because when I linked up with my production partner, Juan, he very much wanted to make a feature. And I was adamant. I said, you know, Juan, before, you know, before a feature is made, we need to document this. And then you can use that as a blueprint for a feature if you want in the future. But it's so important for Zambia that we actually, you know, document this. And because we're going to be doing so much research anyways, why, why don't we put that, um, why don't we put that together? Um, uh, and and through the process and then you know while I was making a team and using my life savings I realized I should probably get a job <laughs> and, and uh, you know as, as uh, luck would have it because I'd started putting um, uh, putting up stuff on social media about Zambian history and just trying to re-educate myself um, and and feeling like you know I'm sure there's other people who'd like to know this stuff um, I got uh, a TV presenting job with Today with Zamtel. They were revamping the show and wanted someone to create the uh, history, culture, and natural natural beauty portions um, of the show traveling around Zambia. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is like my bucket list <laughs> come true in a mm. way that I would never have imagined. And then as I traveled around the country, I just, you know, fell in love with Zambia on an even more profound level than I was already in love with my country. And that really informed the way that I made a team and just the way that I connected with people and the way people were so proud of the way that I was presenting Zambia. They were like, this is the Zambia that we know and we rarely get to see. 
I was so moved by that, that, um, you know, I, I really tried to imbue that in a team. And I, I, I think, I think I did do that. Um, and then the response when we first showed it with low grade footage, because even though we owned all the original footage and, you know, Juan and I had, you know, financed that the archival footage that we were using from 1988 all the way to APCON 2012 to showcase the 1993 team uh, that tragically died all the way up to like rebuilding the team. And then, um, you know, us winning AFCON 2012 um, was owned by global media houses. Try as we may, we couldn't find anything in, in Zambia. And when we did, it was in black and white. And I was like, I watched this in color. <laughs> like, even in yeah. the 90s, I watched this in color. Like, I don't understand why this is in black and white. Like, if I put this on the screen, people will be like, what is Gotha doing? But Juan was great at fighting stuff over four continents. Can you believe it was Europe? Um uh, South America, uh, North America, and Australia. Oh, no, I guess it was five. And, you know, Africa, because we got stuff from the Confederation of African Football, CAF. Um, and and maybe, maybe we didn't, did we use the stuff from South America? Maybe we didn't use the stuff in South America, but we did, we did, um, we did source some stuff from there. Um, anyways. Uh, so then when the film showed, everybody just thought that the low grade footage, especially 1988, was because it was from 1988 and it wasn't HD. And unless you're like a real film buff, you couldn't really tell um, that the the footage wasn't quite HD. By the time it was AFCON 2012, it was clear enough for people to see. Um, and that got uh, the then second lady, Charlotte Scott, in our corner. And she was really instrumental in helping to set up a dinner where I invited, you know, various uh, Zambian business people, which then led me to Joe Pope of ProFlight, who loved it and was like, you know, if I could finance this, I could. But then she linked me up with um, Carl Irwin, the CEO and, and founder of Zambief at the time. And uh, he watched it. He got it. And that's how we got the film legal and um, the archival footage paid for. And the film, the Global Film Festival run paid for. And then also the most important thing to me was that like Zambians get to see it and, you know, to ensure that everybody got to see it. And so uh, Zam Zambi uh, sponsored a national tour with a cinema truck. So people got to see it for free all around the country. And that really validated my um, my existence, and <laughs> my, 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 my joy in storytelling and realizing that like, it's not just a passion, it's something that can be of use um, in the world. But the funny thing is, is that in doing what I did, um, I didn't realize that there would be so many people who would be upset by how I had made the film and the quality of the film. And within a couple of years, people would say that, you know, um, you know, the, that the film is no longer relevant. And I was like, how can it no longer be relevant? Like Zambia is Bola Nalesa, literally football and God. That's who we are. Right. Yeah. We, we don't forget. <laughs> we didn't forget 1993. You know, we're not going to forget AFCON 2012. And it just felt like people didn't want the film to to have a legacy. Right. In the way that other films do. And, and what, what is sad is that you are willing to support, you know, films from all around the world. How many times have you seen Gladiator? How many times 
you know, have you seen, the, you know, your favorite rom-com? Like how many times will you binge watch, um, you know, 24? You know what I mean? You'll do all of that. But then when something that is made that is from, from, from you, you won't want to support it. And I need to be clear, audiences continue to support the film. And a lot of people are upset that they haven't got to, uh, to see it yet. I don't know whether it was the environment that we were in where, you know, excellence and intelligence <laughs> and, uh, you know, hope were things that were slowly dying. But um, people in positions that uh, could use the, 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 the film and could um, help to spread the film into schools, into universities, use them in, in workshops at, uh, you know, uh, or retreats, those the the people who hold those purse uh, purse strings uh, the purse strings uh, when it comes to marketing public relations or uh, corporate social responsibility when have literally been trying to kill the film for the last couple uh, of of years and so you know for me I just think it's really sad because the people who have most benefited from my expertise um, as a communication expert and the film itself have been Nigerians and Americans. They will approach me to use the film. And mm -hmm. then they will ask me about, you know, what is going on with it in Zambia. And I'm very honest because I, I think it's also a teaching, it's, it's a teaching moment. It's like my own, my own people really do want to see the film, but there are people who are hell-bent on making sure that they never see it <laughs> the reason that the film is still on Vimeo is because Americans have been supporting it <laughs> yeah and I think that's like you said earlier uh, we won't get into the specifics of that but you said like you know maybe it was a, a mood of the time and now that you know a tie a certain tide is changing perhaps people will see and recognize the value in it because it's our story as people who are Zambians or myself who I consider to be like adopted by this country because I lived here and grew up here and I still continue to live here. I don't wanna move. Um, I think it's, it's an important part of not just history, it's an important piece of storytelling in the way that it's done. It's um, just such a important part of like even I don't know how to say it like it, it touches on so many things of course there's like the tragedy so then you have like all those raw emotions but there's the happiness like you feel so many things when you watch 18 you feel pride you feel joy you feel sadness you feel grief then you feel like you know elated again and more joy and 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 you feel sort of seen you feel recognized you feel understood in a way that I don't think Zambians have ever really had despite it's not to talk about anyone else's films or anything else that's out there that is Zambian made but the the fact the power of documentary is the fact that it also is something that is true life it's real life it's events that have occurred so part of that power is the way that it really does just grip people in such an emotional way I don't know at least it does for me so right no yes it does for me too the thing that and the reason that i know that my film is so powerful is i made it right but the story is so amazing right that i am taking up by the emotion <laughs> yeah it took me forever to 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 not cry through the whole film because 
Because, I mean, our story is just so powerful. I mean, even in this last election, when we were just about to hear, you know, the, the changing of the guards and the announcement for a new president-elect, right? It sounded like AFCON 2012 in my, in my neighborhood. I haven't heard that sound since then. The horns honking, the vuvuzelas, the dogs joining in, um, uh, barking and howling. Um, mm. And then people on, on Twitter just kept saying over and over, this feels like AFCON 2012. And I was like, we voted six months to the day. Yeah, August 12th is six months to our 10-year anniversary of AFCON 2012 in February, on February 12th, 2022. Like the, 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 the lining up of things is once again, right, is so, um, is so eerie, right? And, I, and for me, I'm like, I don't really care what happened in the past, right? I know that we need to celebrate the 10-year anniversary. I have done my job. I have made this mm. film, right? It is up to the people in those jobs to come to me and say, Gossa, what can we do together? This is how much we have. What can we do? Not, it's not for me, actually, to go. I, I also realize this. It is not for me to go around and to be telling people. I've already told you. The film is made. Here I am. Use me. It's up to you to figure out what you want to do, right? Because I've also realized in Zambia, a lot of people get very lazy. They try and gaslight you into thinking you are not doing enough. I've already done my job. I'm a filmmaker. I'm not a marketer. I'm not an event planner, right? I'm not the person with the, I, I'm not the person with the cash. That's not my job. So I've already done my job and I'm ready to do the things that I can do, which is, you know, uh, bring out the themes in the film about teamwork, about inspiration, about Zambia, about uh, history, about Bolana Lesa, like all of those things. I can do that. But if you want that, you need to, you need to uh, cough up the cash, right? And you need, to, you need to decide how that aligns with your brand and what you want to do with it. Mm. Yes, change is here, as, uh, as, as uh, our new regime has said. And we need to all do the work. Yes, indeed we do. And as you've already said, you did the work and you did it so brilliantly. Um, just before we branch off from there, I, where can people still access the film or buy it or stream it or any of those things? Uh, so you can rent it or you can buy it on Vimeo. Um, so uh, I'm sure you have it in the... Um, show notes you yes, have I the will. link in the in the show notes um so yeah you, and it's also like if you follow me on social media or find me on social media the link is always you know up or facebook twitter instagram uh so yeah very easy to find yes indeed and i would just encourage anyone who hasn't watched it watch it if you're a lover of film watch it if you love football watch it if you're just a zambian who is proudly zambian watch it because I promise you it's going to bring you nothing but like joy and pride and um, yeah we actually recently held elections <laughs> this, yes, this we ties did. in perfectly and before in the run-up to these elections um you decided to not just be vocal on your personal twitter but work with the Swedish embassy on their video series, Voices of Democracy. What made you decide to step up and speak out, especially about voting? Not telling people what, who to vote for, but just encouraging people to register, encouraging people to vote. 
Why was that important for you? Um, it, once again, it goes back to, to storytelling, right? So all of my life, um, one, I had never been, once I became eligible to vote, I had never been around to register or I hadn't been around to vote. It was always one of the two. But, mm. it, but I, and so I had, you know, I'd never gotten the opportunity. Um, and so this time was the first time. And I'd also become an apathetic voter because I had been told, because I'm privileged and considered, you know, part of the elite, that I don't know anything about my country and that my voice didn't matter. And I have never been upset with the outcome of the elections because I've always believed that the Zambian people, no matter who they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what tribe they are, no matter uh, how they may be perceived, that they know what's best for the country, right? Um, and we always get the president that we deserve. And in 2016, I saw so many youth just so broken online, <laughs> just really upset, just mm. thinking that the world has ended. And I was, and I was believed that like with Zambian politics, you know, it's not like, you know, in other places where you have conservatives and liberals, Republicans and De Democrats, right? There, there isn't sort of that clear delineation between, you know, parties and, and what they stand for. And, you know, I'd gotten into this, you know, mindset of that, you know, it doesn't matter who's in government, you just need to keep your head down and you, you need to do what you need to do. Kind of the, you know, when they go uh, low, you, um, we go high. But I think in the last couple of, of, of years and in the last decade in particular as millennials have 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 gotten older and have sort of um, really started to do the work to uh, break uh, generational um, trauma and 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 cycles and 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 to really be introspective and to figure out like why is our world going so wrong and how do we make it right mm -hmm. um, I realized that part of what was going wrong was telling anybody that they didn't matter, like their voice didn't matter, that somebody was more important than they are, that they should step back. And I'm always being told to step back, that I am taking somebody's opportunity, that I am, you know, that I've had everything in life. Why do I want more? Like this, this just has always been that sort of narrative in my life. And I realized that it wasn't that I didn't have things to offer and that my story wasn't important. It was that if I told my story or if I used my privilege, that then I would actually be able to um, use that power to, for good, right? And so when the opportunity came to register, I said, let me register. I wasn't happy with the political climate um, and really didn't know like how I would be able to contribute with my vote. But I was like, let me register so that by the time, you know, the voting period comes, maybe by then I'll have made a decision. And then I got called by the Swedish embassy to talk about what democracy meant to me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I thought maybe this, this was my way of at least contributing um, by telling people that your story is valid and your life experience um, is informative and we need everybody's different experiences um, to culminate in the vote, because then that's how we get the Zambia that we want. Um, and then I got to talk to the Swedish ambassador, who then became one of the uh, observers during the election period um, about, uh, you know, what Zambia means to me and how I view the, the, the climate at the time. 
And of course, these ambassadors, you know, they have conversations with all our political leaders and they met with, you know, the, 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 the political spectrum before the elections and are now meeting, you know, with um, HH now that he has been elected. And so I know that, you know, all of us who spoke to the Swedish embassy, our views are being passed on in, in some way. Um, and then, you know, by the time it got to voting, I, you know, I realized that this was a protest vote. I, I, I don't believe that I, I need to tell people what to do. Like I can, I can guide people and say, hey, look, this is the manifesto from this party. This is the manifesto from this party. You know, this is why I registered to vote. Uh, you know, this is how, this is how I feel right now without necessarily saying, this is who you need to vote for, right? And it was evident that like, you know, Zambians knew what was going on. Right. We know who we are. We knew that our government didn't reflect that. And we knew that we needed to put a stop to that. And that's why people woke up at like one, two, three a.m. Some people even slept at the polling station to ensure that they were first in line. Come 6 a.m. They were ready to vote. I got there at 5 a.m. I was late. I couldn't believe it because I was told usually <laughs> if you get there by like five, you'll be one of the first. I was not one of the first. There were like 100 people in front of me. <laughs> it, took, it took five hours for me to get to, to, to the polling room. But you know what? It was absolutely worth it. I was prepared. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, I packed my tea and, you know, I dressed uh, for every eventuality. I was perfectly warm the whole entire time. Didn't need to take off my scarf or my jacket. Um, felt the sun on my back. It was lovely. Um, had a lovely chat with people in line. Um, it was a really great atmosphere. And I, I'm really... Uh, proud and emotional about the fact that I was able to to vote in this election and that my first votes had real meaning um, mm. and you know just excited to see what is to come because you can even see a shift in the way that people are talking it's it's been pretty much immediate like we it's been it's been coming as nervous Mumba said that you know these young people they are bad language right <laughs> so mm. we have been increasingly vocal yeah. Uh, and 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 have been tested. We're testing the boundaries of the last government, and then now now that uh, it is clear that there is a regime change, like you know the floodgates have opened. Like people are being very very clear about you know how they feel, what they didn't like about the previous regime, and what they expect the new regime to do. Because they, you know, we've made it clear. We did not vote for UPND. <laughs> this was a protest vote. This was about like PF out. So UPND need to earn our respect and our trust. It is not a given. Yeah. Oh, well, I think that's that's pretty powerful what you shared, because I mean, of course, I wish I could have voted. I couldn't for my own reasons of not being an actual citizen. But it, for me, it's been so joyous to just watch how everyone you know got to cast their vote and yes maybe not everyone got the result that they wanted but that like you know there's just this sense of like it really mattered using our voice mattered and it made a difference and I think that's the thing that you know part of being a storyteller is all about you want to encourage people that like their voice matters especially Zambians especially young Africans you know just knowing that our voice, even in the echo chamber of the Western world or on a global scale, it still matters and we matter as people.
Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So speaking of presidents, <laughs> um, you have the honor of meeting the late president Kenneth Kaunda, and. I mean, how did you first meet him? And what are some of your memories from that experience? The first time I actually met him was in the late 80s. Um, I used to go to his birthday parties. (laughs) So every year at State House, like, uh, you know, uh, the president would invite people and uh you know then uh, at the time my dad was um you know this um this young hotshot in the financial sector and so from like i think 1988 we got invited to um kk's birthday party and he really loved children being around um i guess because you know children enjoy birthday parties and so yeah also i just i just want to point out for posterity because my father will listen to this that he used to attend said birthdays and leave me at home so i just want it to be noted on public Ooh. record that Ngosa was going Ooh. and i was not but you can continue yeah. Ngosa. <laughs> yeah. well so we could have we could have actually met then crazy yes um yeah so yeah so that's when i i first met him and i just remember him being just such a jovial person and looking forward to that like every year um so I went like three years in a row like 88 89 and 90 um and then we left and then of course in 91 you know Zambia became democratic and there was a regime change um so I I don't know what happened in 1991 I I think he had his birthday before um the election but I'm not sure anyways um and then I'd met him a couple of times after that, I remember there was a time he came to Kenya for something and uh, he came to our church. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd met him a couple of uh, times after that. Um, but um, I had never actually really gotten to have a conversation with him um, that was of any real meaning uh, until um, 18. So he had been invited to the premiere, but he was feeling poorly and uh, didn't come, but his daughter did. And then after she saw the film, she was like, dad has to see this. Uh, Can we organize a private screening for him? And so we screened it for him uh, at his uh, office. Um, And then afterwards I had a chat Um, and I really wanted him to see it because he had used football to uh, introduce the concept of one Zambia, one nation. You know, mm. And in the film, Dennis Lewewe says, when Zambia is playing, there is no Bemba, there is no Tonga, there is no uh, Lunda. It's one Zambia, one nation, right? And that's really what it was all about. When you put on the green jersey, right? Or when you decided we're doing this for Zambia, you know, we, we were supposed to leave, you know, tribalism was supposed to end at that point. It kind of got revived somewhere along the way. But, um, you know, the, the Zambian national team, was a symbol for what we can do if we uh, if we put our minds together. Um, and he definitely validated that after he saw the film. He, you know, he said, you know, well done, this will go far. And, um, you know, what you've done is exactly what I, you know, was trying to do after independence. 
Um, and, and so that was a really proud moment to get his, um, you know, his, his, his star of approval um, mm. on, on the film. Uh, but what advice do you have for, as someone who's kind of done any sort of film festival circuit, is it a great way to get your film out there? How do those kinds of things work for any up and coming filmmakers? It, it, it does. And, you know, it's important to do your research and, you know, there's things like Film Freeway. Oh, and I can't remember the other one at this point in time, but there are lots of these different portals where you can sort of like submit your your film to multiple film festivals at the same time. Like if you, you know, sort of, you know, put your parameters, it'll bring up like the film festivals that, um, you know, your film would best uh, 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 fit into. Um, and and that's and that's what I did in 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 2015, um, and I think it's I, I think it's even better now. I think the 18 was a little bit early. The um, African wave hadn't really started, but after you know Black Panther, you can see a real upsurge and and real thirst for um, African uh, con content made in uh, uh, made on the continent. And so this is a great time to be a filmmaker. Um, right now uh and, and for me i'm like really just do your research uh, i know yes i have three degrees but none of my degrees were actually in film i would study film like as a passion on the side and i use the resources at my universities to you know watch old movies um to watch the you know the the hundred to see all the hundred best movies that i i hadn't seen over the years um and uh you know took film classes when i could um went to film festivals when i could um and also to be quite honest dstv uh is actually some of the best tv content in the world and i can say this knowing that i've watched you know sky and you know made had to figure out which package was the best package in america but dstv back in the day as when we were growing up, really did give us the best content. And not only that, they would give us, you know, there was entertainment now. We'd always get those, like, you know, those features about, like, behind the scenes with the director, with the producer. Yeah. I would watch all of those things. That's what all made me things. go into all film. Of those things. Yes, exactly. But all of those things informed you know, informed the, 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 who I am today. That's why I even thought, wait a minute, I could be a producer. I was directing before I even realized that I was directing. Yeah, I should have gotten the director's credit on A Team, and Juan actually even offered me the uh, offered it to me, and I was just like, no, I'm the producer. <laughs> I really didn't think I was doing it. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I produced something recently and then I was like, wait, but I'm also directing. I was like, I'm also the bloody scriptwriter. I was like, I need so many credits on this thing. But, you know, I hadn't yeah, thought about it until like, it was too late as well. Because I was like, wait, I really Yeah, because even with, even with today with... Yeah, even with today with Zamtel, like I did not have direct uh, directing credit in that at all. And I was directing every single episode because I, I pretty much did everything. I researched, I script wrote, I... I presented I styled my damn self um but also those things need to change as well I think that like yes there's some things like directing and producing they kind of go together like or you know uh, script writing and directing and stuff but like doing too many things at at some point like it, it what do you call it it um it detracts from what the film 
could be or the content could be because you're wearing so many um so many hats and if yeah. you are wearing so many hats you need to be paid for all of those hats appropriately and mm. that's also something um that needs to be addressed which is also why i you know i do a lot of stuff independently a lot of a lot of the stuff that i don't take it is protest it's either because you are not paying enough and i i know that i you know i'm i'm not likely to get paid what i should be paid dollar wise right given my uh, expertise and my experience right but i i know what i should be paid in the zambian environment right um and uh you know we also you know need to uh to just create uh create content that is truthful because a lot of the time the money sways how the content goes and a lot of that money comes from outside and a lot of that money comes from ngos donors and 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 aid agencies and so then what happens is you're told yes you can tell the story but make it about female empowerment or make it about uh you know uh, uh female uh, uh genital mutilation right and so people all, it has to have something to do with aids i mean even a team i was told that if i put aids in the film uh, it would get financed and I was like AIDS had nothing to do with it the people died in a plane crash like mm-hmm. AIDS has nothing whatsoever to do with the story of the Zambian national football team if the players happened to have AIDS or something like that that is something that like had really nothing to do with the story you know what i mean that's the yeah, kind of thing that you that put in salaciously it's always that thing of when people want to focus on something that it's like how is this actually elevating or not even elevating what do, is this part of the story like someone has something yeah they're living with that that's fine that's that's their regular life that's their everyday that's not the focus of right this. like people are still people right. at and the end of the day regardless of what things they have we're not going to now say oh the asthmatic football player of chipolopolo like let's say if there was one unless it actually played a role in like how somehow he played and managed to push through having an asthma attack and scored the last goal and blah 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 if it's not playing a part in that we don't need to bring up his health issue right exactly or like you know if they're taking care of a family member i'm not going to start rooting out a family member or whatever it is like i'm just not going to do that right and um i just i just want to tell stories right exactly i don't want to make trauma porn or poverty porn like or you know i don't want to uh, contribute to the white uh, uh, superiority complex the white industrial complex like i i have no desire to do that like i just want to tell stories that have have you know zambians and africans living in the full spectrum of their humanity and that means just living right and so that means just telling the story as it is right a lot of the, the a lot of the time you don't have to jazz our stories up Africans are interesting yeah Africans you know like life is a performance it doesn't matter like who you are where you are what you are just look on the street there's always something happening right <laughs> like we don't need to force issues and it, it it's very frustrating um you know when you know all the stories that we are being told like have to have an angle like they always have to have this angle it's so frustrating you know because even recently you know I've gone through like a couple of like you know film grand rounds with Juan for a second documentary and they kept trying to force like an angle right that just didn't doesn't is not what we're trying to focus on like it's not it's not the priority like I'm like do you see the story we're trying to tell but we can see why you're trying to push us into this angle because you're really trying to play up 
you know the you know the the the, the trauma porn the the poverty porn aspects mm-hmm. which comes you know the the person's story like tells it honestly like but if we focus on that and really go into that it plays into all the tropes the stereotypes that I just have no desire in perpetuating right yeah. and so that 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 is why people do not see me around a lot because people know that I am very uh what do you call it I'm very passionate about that and also people know that I know that some people have sold out because we have had conversations and they've gone and done the complete opposite. Will I out you? No, that is, I have no desire to do that either. Like I've got better things to do with my life. Like, you know, live. Yeah, you, you live with your decisions. You made them, you made your bed, you lie in it, right? I'm, I'm just focused in, on my bed and what I'm lying in, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's very well said. So I want to talk a little bit about um, this animated film that you worked on that's called Monster's Story. And it's a film, it's a short about unwanted pregnancies and abortion. So talk about that film and what your experience was. Okay, so I got um, contacted um, and it actually, I was, it's funny that the London School of Economics is one of the, the sponsors of the film, but I actually got contacted uh, by uh, a Zambian uh, who has uh, written stories in um, all seven languages, um, Chanjumwanza. Um, and she was like, you know, I have been asked to be a part of this project and I was wondering if you could coordinate the um, a voiceover production. So I was the vo- a voiceover production um, producer. Uh, and uh, uh, then I got... I got sent the script and I actually um, first didn't want to take it because I was like, oh no, it's another one of these things where, you know, it's going to be like, oh, teenage pregnancy, Zambia, oh, it's terrible. But, but I looked at the script and it was really about something that I'm passionate about. I really don't believe children should be having children. I don't think they should be forced, particularly because a lot of the time, you know, the, the way that, you know, these young girls have become pregnant has, has not been on the up and up. Right, but they end up being blamed for it, and they end up being burdened with a child. Yeah, a lot of it right? is when is there rape. is a solution. Mm. Right, exactly. It's uh, it's rape, whether it's statutory or whether you know it's uh, because you know it's it's a young boy who also doesn't know what he's doing, or yeah. whether it's you know like you know a predator. It, it it really doesn't matter. In the end, it's the girl who suffers. And for me, I am about pro-choice. So if you believe, if, if your beliefs go, if abortion is against your beliefs, I'm not telling you to go and get an abortion. That is not what I'm trying to tell you to do. However, if you do want to have, uh, if you do, you know, want to make that choice, I, I would rather you have like the information to know what to do. Because through the script, I was able to find out some of the horrible things that like, you know, girls go through trying to self-abort and, yeah. uh, you know, or, you know, being tricked by, you know, by people to buy like weird potions and, 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 and stuff um, and that then make them sick and, and, and cause other problems. And so for me, like that was really what it was about. And also the fact that, you know, there was going to be a vernacular version in Nyanja, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, that would be great. Um, and so I knew that I could do the English version, right? And when I tried the Janja version, I was told that I sounded like a Catholic nun, <laughs> which is code for you sound like you know some white woman <laughs> speaking Janja. Yeah. 
And That's of funny. course, you know, supposed to sound like a young Zambian girl. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I took, you know, the executive decision that like, I am not the right person for this. Right. <laughs> and so I had to replace myself. Um, but at least that, you know, I was able to voice the, oh, the, the, the English version. I was able to do a Zambian, a Zambian accent adequately enough. Um, but it was a very fun, a fun experience. But all, and then the film, uh, you know, was entered into the Who um, uh, Health for All uh, Awards um, and ended up being a finalist. It didn't, it didn't win, but like just to be recognized by the World Health Organization was a, a great thing. You know, being in a film festival again mm. and then it being uh, such a prestigious organization really validated the work that. Um, that I did because I'd actually never coordinated um, voiceover for anybody other than myself before. So that was, that was, uh, that was uh, nice because then I can be like, okay, I really can't do this. Um, yeah. You know. Oh, that's great. So I know that once the story is available for people to watch on YouTube, I'll definitely put um, some more links in the show notes for those of you who want to check it out. I think it is an important subject matter, as you said, because I mean, I've recently been traveling to the rural areas and, you know, people trying all sorts of methods and ending up with what we call incomplete abortion, which can, you know, obviously mm. lead to the, the, the mother's death. It's, 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 a, it's a huge, huge problem. So um, I hope that obviously all the different languages that it was also translated in, you know, that people can enjoy that content. Um, I also unfortunately just wanted... it was only in Nyanja, so it's oh, just Nyanja. English and Nyanja for the uh, moment, yeah. Okay. Well, Ngosa, you're always creating content and helping to mentor young content creators. Um, why is that important to you? Uh, mentoring is my CSR. <laughs> it's the one thing that I can do. I remember I'd gone to a talk. Um, uh, Mulenka Kapoipo was, was hosting and she had said you know we're all gifted um, with certain gifts and talents um, by God when we're born and we develop them uh, you know as, uh, as we grow um, and then at some point you have to start letting that go so if you think about like coming into the world with your hands uh, with, your, with your fists clenched right and by the time you leave you know your uh, your 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 hands should be fully open you know and you should be able to see your palms because you've given you've given back you've given everything because that's what you're supposed to do in this world and so for me like any time that I can I can do that I can unclench my fists and open up my palms and 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 give like that's you know I, I I've made such an investment in my myself right mm -hmm. that the 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 return on that investment is being able to pass that on in in some way and and i i find great joy in seeing other people grow and and in them growing i also learn from them too i i don't think people realize how much i i learn from them and how much they expose me to different ways of thinking to uh things i haven't discovered yet um uh igniting passions that i didn't know that i had um you know, for like one thing, like I, I, I didn't really, you know, think of, of fashion as a way to tell stories, but like I found that like through the way that I dress that I actually am, am storytelling. And, you know, that was inspired by my relationship with my fashion. Like there's, there's so, there's so many, you know, there's so many instances that like that, that I can touch on. 
and 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 honestly like you know my my babies my young ones all around the world like continue to um continue to be like my you know my my cheerleading team my 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 undying support like the my greatest treasure and so for me it's um you know it's it's it, it's once again investing right so i've invested in myself and and i you know i then i, I then use that to enrich others and then that in itself is an investment and it it always comes back to be um in returns that i you know i never even dream of so um yeah it's 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 truly a blessing to have connected with all the people i've connected with in in my life and you know i i hope to um to continue with that and to continue to learn and 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 grow and i hope that i continue to um be of service and to be of use and uh to be a resource uh as well oh i think that's wonderfully wonderfully put and i mean i feel like throughout our conversation you've touched on why telling why telling our own stories is important on the importance of preserving history and even just now on the growing trends in terms of content creations like using social media even using fashion to tell stories um so i guess i only really have one more question for you ngosa which is what is next for ngosa uh, <laughs> a dangerous question to ask a creative it really is cuz like you know what let me tell you something like 2020 like was my year of resurgence and it got messed up like literally just as like everything was starting to click covid happened and like it's like i'm starting from the beginning again awful 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 <laughs> awful so um at the moment uh you know Juan and I've been working on our second documentary can't yet disclose like uh what it's uh, what it's about um, I think the best thing to say is that people should just Entitled. follow you on social media. So maybe you can give out your social media handles so that when the things start happening, they are aware, they know where to go and watch, what they're going to be going to go watch or how to participate. So yeah, before I give you my social media, um I also have two other projects going on to Zambian documentaries like Eagles Rising which um I've been talking about for the last couple of years um but nobody really believed in it because they didn't think that youth were rising and that social media meant anything but <laughs> the election proved different. Um so it'll be definitely exciting to actually try and put that together now that the election has happened. um and end on a positive note which is what i like and then also um i have another short documentary about um an uplifting story during um uh when first when covid first um hit zambia uh, more details to come so of course you can find out about all of this on my social media um on facebook i am gosachungu or you can put in the Jovukazi storyteller um on Twitter I am at w h o o p s underscore c and if you put in gosachungo I should pop up and then on Instagram and Twitter I am at w h o o p s dot c and also if you put in gosachungo I should pop up as well and I'm sure it'll be in the show notes 
Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I storytell regularly on those platforms um, in different ways um, to sort of give you an idea of who I am, what my interests are and what inspires me. Thank you so much for being a guest on Conversations with Lila Bingosa. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today, Lily. Thank you so much for having me and, uh, you know, for always having my back. And she is one of the the people who inspires me a lot and is great counsel. And so part of the reason why I'm so awesome is because Lily is my friend. (laughs) But yeah, thanks so much, mate. And yeah, I can't wait uh, to interact with people based on this podcast. And thank you very much for this opportunity. Check the show notes for links to Ngosa's work. Before we go, show a little love for your favorite podcast on Anchor by sending us a round of applause, giving us a star and leaving us a voice message on Anchor. Who knows, you could get a shout out on the next episode. That's it for this episode. Remember to look out for more episodes and continue to join the conversation. Until next time.